In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We're not saying anything new when we remind you that as we start today, folks in our country, generally speaking, hold negative opinions concerning politics and government. Wow, what a year it's been. Corruption, partisanship, power plays, they all seem to make headlines on a daily basis, so much so that really would kind of like to just turn the TV off turn Washington off, turn Topeka off, I don't know, just get away from it all. It's a discouraging mess that a lot of us would like to just kind of tune out if we could. And yet, we're reminded today that government is a good and necessary gift from God. Ever since the fall into sin, God's gift of government has been a necessary remedy for the broken human inclination to sin. Thus, the first and foremost function is simply to hold sin back. Serves as a curb, Luther taught us, about the law. That's the primary point made by the scriptures in this realm of life that we're exploring today in our stewardship series. God's gift of government, it includes what happens at the local, at the state, at the federal level. It includes all authorities in every realm of human interaction. Lawmakers, judges, law enforcement, uh, and in all branches of government as well. Today's text from Romans 13 is really a lesson in Christian civics. It's a basic text on politics for the people of God. That's you and me, by the way. And wow, do we need it. For whether you're passionately partisan or fiercely independent, it really doesn't matter. You're not going to like everything you hear. And you're not going to like everything you hear about government in Romans 13. These words remind us that we Christians are called to do things that are not pleasant, like paying taxes and submitting to the governing authorities. It's not natural to us. It's not easy. We can't do it without the help of God and without the mind of Christ. Paul was writing to the Christians in Rome. Remember Rome, the great empire of the early ages of the church. Rome in those days was the seat of government for the Roman Empire. And they governed most of the Mediterranean world and far beyond what we now call Europe and, and the Middle East and, well, beyond that even. It was a place where power and politics permeated every bit of life. Rome was like Washington, D.C., and every other capital you can think of rolled into one. And Paul wrote to the folks in Rome. And that's where we read in chapter 13. And listen again as I read some key verses from that chapter. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God and those that exist have been instituted by God. 
Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval, for he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection. Oh, yeah, subjection, submission. Those are words we don't like. We don't like to hear that because, well, we still have a sinful nature. Each of us is born recognizing no higher authority than that of myself. And we live in an age when that is more true than perhaps at many other times in history. That same sinful nature that rebels against God's laws, you know, the Ten Commandments, we memorize them, we learn them, we speak them, the same sinful nature rebels also against human laws for the same reason. We don't like others telling us what to do. We don't like government. We don't like rules. We don't like regulations. Even as baptized believers, we can never completely rid ourselves of the rebel inside. And that's precisely why God has given us the gift of government. Yes, Government really is a gift. The God who gives clothing and shoes, food and drink, house and home, wife and children, and all that we need to support this body and life, as Luther taught us to say it, also gives us the good gift of government. And so Luther rightly teaches in the Catechism that good government is one of the things that we ask for Every time we pray, give us this day our daily bread. Did you ever think about that one? Our daily bread includes the gift of government. In the large catechism, Luther goes on a little bit, talks about how God gives us earthly rulers and officials with wisdom, strength, and prosperity to govern well, and to be victorious over all our enemies, to grant their subjects and the people to live together in obedience, peace, and concord. That was from the large catechism. In other words, without good government, daily bread probably be pretty hard to come by. Government, it's a good gift from God in order to keep order and peace, to protect us, to resolve disputes, to curb the evil inside each of us, to keep us from infringing on our neighbor's rights as well, even if the whole world were church-going, Bible-believing Christians, we would still need government to regulate our life together. That's because we are still in this struggle, sinner and saint both at the same time, as long as we live in this world. 
Now, having said all of that, we need also to put this in perspective. Don't expect too much from government. The government is not God. Unlike God, our elected officials can't be counted on to keep all their promises. Isn't that almost a stereotype? Politician promises? Oh yeah, right. They are simply earthly rulers. God's servants, yes, whether they know it or not, but they are earthly. And so, because they are from God, every parking ticket, every fine, every just verdict, every court decision, and yes, every just prison sentence, behind them stands the God of heaven and earth disciplining evildoers through our public servants. Our form of government, it's rather unique in the history of the world. It is one of the people, by the people, for the people, as the forefathers of our country wrote. There's nothing like it in the world, nothing like it especially when St. Paul wrote Nero. He was the Roman emperor. Nice guy, right? If you know any history, you know that's a false statement. There's nothing like Nero, who, in order to raise his numbers in the polls after Rome burned, about a third of Rome burned in a horrendous fire, many people were lost. Well, what did Nero do? He started persecuting Christians, blamed it on them. Under Nero, St. Paul, who wrote the very words of our text, was beheaded, as tradition tells us, and St. Peter was crucified upside down. Nero was a master when it came to making martyrs. And yet somehow, mysteriously, through it all, Nero served under God as God's hand in the world. It's important for us to remember that, especially as we live in a much different situation. When our elected leaders abuse or misuse their God-given authority, not to the degree of Nero, but we certainly do have problems, don't we? Well, we can peacefully get rid of them simply by going to the voting booth, as many did this past Tuesday, and then we put others in their place. However, whoever is elected is God's servant to do us good. We need to remember what the biblical purpose of government is, again, to punish evildoers and reward those who do good. We need to keep our expectations of government simple and scriptural. God didn't give government to save us. Let me say that one more time. God did not give us government to save us, to bail us out of every crisis or inconvenience. But in fact, the Bible tells us, do not put your trust in princes and human beings who cannot save. Making government into a savior is making a phony, false God, and it's always going to end badly. So what does the Christian life look like with respect to the state, uh, the estate of government? 
Well, it means we need to obey the law of the land as Christians. Who would have thought that honestly filing your tax forms is an expression of your faith in Jesus Christ? It is. When we show respect and honor to our government, we're showing respect and honor ultimately to God who put that government in place. And when we dishonor and disrespect governing authorities, we dishonor and disrespect the God who gave them. As children of God, we are called also to remember our rulers in prayer. And we do it. We do it regularly right here at this altar every week, and I'm sure you probably do during the week as well. We pray for our president, our congress, our governor, and all who rule over us. After all, if we didn't pray for them, who would? Christians are to be obedient with, to, excuse me, to government with but one exception. When government moves us to act or speak in ways contrary to God's commandments, then we can only confess with St. Peter and the apostles, we must obey God rather than men. An example of this, how about the March for Life coming up in a couple months in Washington or Topeka? There, as Christians, we gather to declare the truth of God's word that every human life has value, including the unborn. And this precious gift from God, well, when the state sanctions the killing of the innocent and the unborn, then we must stand. We must obey God rather than men. Well, what are we going to do about all of the stuff that falls through the cracks? That's where we look to Jesus. As a true man, Jesus taught us what it really means to submit to governing authorities. Think about it. How did Jesus come into this world? A government decree. And Mary, his mother, and her husband Joseph had to set out from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Hmm. Jesus, in his earthly ministry, taught and showed his disciples what it is to live under God's rule, and that is to render also unto Caesar what is Caesar's. It was government and taxation that led to the rule and might that Jesus lived under in his earthly life, it was government and might under which Jesus was unjustly crucified. We even remember in our creed and recite it regularly, the name of the governor under whom he was crucified, Pontius Pilate. Yeah. A Roman governor, a representative, a re representative of Caesar. God used it all. Governments, rulers, partisan politics. He used it all for the salvation of the world, for the forgiveness of our sins. For you see, Jesus was unjustly executed by the state so that he could bear your sin, endure all of the punishment your sin deserves, pay that debt that you could never pay yourself, and then rise in victory to give us a new life. Jesus 
did not come to try to change this world by establishing a new government in Jerusalem and heading it up there as an earthly king, nor did he try to uh, overthrow the authorities that existed. We follow Jesus' example. We are in the world, but we are not of the world. We remember that we live temporarily in this world, yes, as citizens of this land, but we need to remember also that our eternal citizenship is in heaven. Jesus is preparing a place there for you and for me so that we might be with him. And so we pray for our earthly leaders, never to forget that Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords before whom every knee will someday bow. Till then, we are but pilgrims here. We're on our way home, but we're not there yet. This country, this community is our temporary home. We pray for it. We participate in it. We vote in its elections. We show honor and respect when we pay our taxes. Christians strive to be good citizens. At the same time, we know that all the governments of this world will end Every ruler will be silenced before the crucified and risen king because his crown was of thorns and his throne was a cross. We can live here under the governments of this world with confidence because we know his glorious kingdom is our true and eternal home. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.